You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet podcast, blah, blah, blah. There's no music and that feels weird to do the intro without it. Anyways, there is quite a bit to uh, talk about today and I do not have actually a lot of time. So I'm going to try to run through as much as is humanly possible, as quickly as is humanly possible. And so let's kick this thing off right away with the fact that the Detroit Lions have fired not only their head coach, but their GM, which I guess was expected. Um, Neither of them was doing a good job at all. I have been saying since forever, I thought that what they were doing was a disaster. I was not a fan of any of their moves. I know a lot of people were kind of excited about going out and getting a bunch of expatriates. I think that is a ridiculous strategy. Um, I mean, if, if you want to just run a Bill Belichick team, then take a swing at Bill Belichick. He'll say no, but but just try. And then if he says no, then we go in a different direction. But we're not just going to try to be the Patriots. That's so stupid and boring and lazy. Let's hire his defensive coordinator. And then when he comes to me and says, hey, let's just go out and purge, a, you know, poach a bunch of, of Patriots when they become available, when Bill Belichick decides he doesn't want them anymore... It's just such a pathetic strategy. I would just I would be furious if that's what my coach came to me and said, hey, let's try to get a bunch of my old... No, forget that. We're going to get new talent, and you're going to coach the guys we have here. And we're going to build up a new team that's going to beat the Patriots. We're not going to be this old, broke-down ex-Patriot. It's just, it was just such a stupid, pathetic thing from the start. And so, you know, if you're a Lions fan, there's a little bit of, of hope. Because the Lions have always been a team that have underperformed. The, the, the roster has always been better than your record. The problem is the leadership does such a terrible job of making decisions. I don't trust their ability. And really, all you need is a really good GM. Go get a really good GM. That's it. And then your really good GM will find a really good coach. Do not allow your business associates to make this decision, which I know you're going to do. You need to have football people that understand football to be in your organization. Find a really quality GM who is plugged into the NFL that's going to be able to answer the question, who is the next big up-and-coming head coach? Who's going to be able to do interviews with four, five, six different people and weed out and, and ask the right questions to find the right next head coach? And you got to be able to do this for the GM as well, which is the hard part because neither you or anybody over at Ford with all your business experience, and that this is ultimately the problem. I think people like the Fords generally look down on football, right? Running a multi-trillion dollar business, that's something. A football team, this is just some little thing we do on the side. This is some piddly little... So of course I expect my executives at Ford to be able to figure out some piddly little football thing. How simplistic. Nope, sorry, not going to work that way. You need football people who are plugged into the NFL currently as it is with many, many years of experience and how things are done, should be done, are, are doing currently, you need those people and lots of them in your organization to make decisions. Find a really good GM who's going to help to find a really good coach. That's what happened in Green Bay. Mark Murphy 
who is a football guy, people forget that, he's been in the football business since forever, since he played with the Washington Redskins. He was, he was in the business side of things. He made some football decisions and found the right football guy and Brian Gutekunst, and together, he as a football guy and Brian Gutekunst, a football guy, found the right head coach in Matt LaFleur. It's not to say every decision is going to be perfect. It doesn't have to be. Most of the teams are run by morons. So you just need to stop being morons, and you got a real good shot at this thing. That means you can make a, bu- a bunch of bad decisions, but as long as you're making a good chunk of decent quality good decisions once in a while, you're in good shape. And I, I, Listen, I know everyone's tired of hearing me say it, but the fact of the matter is, in this upcoming draft, in which you're going to be drafting real early, you're looking for a quarterback. I'd be, I would be... A little bit interested in the guy that uh, drafted Pat Mahomes and then Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying. I know some people don't think Baker's all that great. I would disagree. He's not elite, but he's doing a pretty good job, and that garbage franchise is going to be making a swing at the playoffs for the first time basically in my lifetime because of a team that was built and constructed, not just Baker Mayfield, but built and constructed by John Dorsey. Remember all the, the moving the pieces around? He basically shipped off that entire team and rebuilt it from the ground up. Kansas City Chiefs were also garbage before they got built up by John Dorsey. So I'm just saying, I know he's hard to get along with, and I'm pretty sure he's terrible at managing contracts. Fine, get a contract guy. I mean, what what, 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 what could be worse than where you are right now? Is If you can get a guy that just drafts well, that's good enough. But it doesn't have to be him. Point is, Figure it out, man. Now, from our perspective as Packer fans, obviously, hopefully they don't ever figure it out. And the the Ford family gets together with their business associates who have a little half-hour meeting on what we should do. And they'll pay out some firm to go find some GM who's going to find some coach. And then it's just never going to work because the whole process is robotic. Now, since we're on the topic of people getting fired and whatnot, I just, as I was heading downstairs to do the podcast, saw an article that makes a lot of sense. I've talked repeatedly about how the Packers defense is bad but it's really kind of par for the course considering how bad defenses are around the league. Obviously you have teams like the Bears and the Steelers and whatnot that are doing a good job but that's even in comparison to other defenses and the fact of the matter is as I've talked about some of the better defenses today would be barely top five maybe not even top five just last year. Defenses are really really struggling this year. Well, uh, via Jason LaConfora, which, um, again, I don't know much about these guys, but I, for some reason I get the impression I don't like him and I don't know why, and I don't think he's very trustworthy, but it makes sense nonetheless. The headline says, NFL coaches, general managers bracing for defensive coordinator purge during the 2021 offseason. So it's a brand new thought in my brain, which means there's prob- I'm probably going to say something and later think, oh man, I wish I'd have thought of that. A couple things that come to mind. First and foremost, very, very small chance that if there are any really good young up-and-coming defensive coordinators out there, which is what we should be looking for as much as everybody wants Wade Phillips, the odds of the Green Bay Packers landing them became a lot smaller. The article goes on to say that roughly about half the league could potentially be firing their defensive coordinators. That doesn't mean it's going to be happening, but just based on how poorly defenses are doing half the league realistically could be getting rid of their defensive coordinators the Packers clearly are one of those teams 
that goes on to say that not only is it because of how poorly some of the uh, the teams are performing, but you've also got some defensive coordinators that may be looking at head coaching jobs. For example, Dennis Allen, the Saints defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, which I think would be a massive mistake because we've already seen him as a head coach. Didn't go well, but that's a possibility. Um, as well as Robert Sala, who's been a big name for a long time. Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, Fluss, Fluss, whatever. So again, a massive purge. It also is going to, let's say, number one, increase the chances that we keep Mike Pettin because we don't want to get into that fray. And all number two, uh, increase the odds that we end up with some recycled defensive coordinator. None of these are great. There's always the chance that we get in the fray. And, and look, it was the same thing with head coaches. There was a big pile of teams looking for head coaches, and the Packers clearly came out on top. Here's another thought, though. This is where my brain kind of carried me off to. One of the benefits that we had, as much as everybody hated it, and I said at the time, you can go back and listen to it, that it was a good idea, we got rid of Mike McCarthy early. That gave us the opportunity to start the coaching search early. I don't think it's possible that we can fire Mike Patton necessarily as long as things are going well. If, on the other hand, it's possible, that could be the Packers start completely falling apart. For example... If the Packers lose to the Bears, and let's just say the score is something like 28 to 30, that's a situation where the Packers are now losing, despite the fact that the Packers' offense is overperforming, because 28 points against the Bears' defense, that's that's beyond acceptable. And it's it's to the point where, again, you're expecting the defense to hold the Bears to, you know, ideally like 17-ish. So if they double what you're expecting from them, Um, That would be one situation where you could say it's ill-advised to get rid of a defensive coordinator, but you feel like you're kind of, you got to stop the bleeding at some point. And so you would, what you would do is you'd raise up an internal candidate that could probably maybe keep things going. Um, We do have some veteran guys, our our now DB coach from Minnesota, I'm blanking on his name, but I don't have time to look it up, but you know who I'm talking about, possibly could step up into that role just because of his experience having having done this for so long there's some other guys uh, I think a, a great candidate would be Mike Smith our outside linebacking uh, coach not only because he's done such a great job but his mentality and his demeanor seems to be much more violent and attacking and again it would it would potentially be a temporary thing and you could also give the guy a, a tryout maybe you want him to be your defensive coordinator let's see if he can pull something together he also understands you know we wouldn't have to completely deviate and start a new scheme. He came up essentially in this Mike Patton scheme. He's going to be doing the same thing, just calling different situational type plays. Um, the other option, obviously, is that the Packers completely implode and start losing a bunch of games, and they kind of just throw in the towel. It's kind of the same thing, ultimately, those those two scenarios. The bottom line is if we keep winning, I don't think we can get rid of Mike Patton. And I'm not saying we need to or we should. I'm just saying it's something that the Packers, if, if they're considering getting rid of Mike Pettin, are going to be looking at because there's going to be a race. There's going to be a, a massive race for the top defensive coordinators, and I just I don't think there's going to be very many. Now, again, we've been through this before, and um, you know we, we did I think we did miss on Mike Pettin, but again, look at the decision to bring in Brian Gutekunst. I think it was a great decision. I'm happy with Brian Gutekunst. Look at the decision again. Look at how difficult it was in that fray of of teams going after all the different head coaches and just how it looked like there were no good options and to be honest that was true with the exception of one guy by the name of Matt LaFleur and the Packers made the decision to get him and I hated that decision at the time 
And the good thing is, and, and it, I hated it for Matt LaFleur, but it would make a lot of sense for the defense, is how much they really put put uh, pride into or, or how much of their decision came down to the, I don't know what you'd call it, the emotional side of things, his his demeanor, his his whatever. It's just, I just how stupid is his personality and his, his his fit with the team and with the locker room and with the community. I thought that was stupid. It makes a lot more sense when you look at defense, especially now that you've got Brian Gutekunst. Remember, this this was Mike Pettin got hired on January tenth, twenty eighteen. Brian Gutekunst was hired January seventh. He had three days. He. I mean, I guarantee you this had nothing to do with Brian Gutekunst. We know it had nothing to do with Matt LaFleur. So the fact that we didn't hit on a defensive coordinator, okay, fine. We now have a head coach that understands this team and what this team needs. We have Brian Gutekunst who understands this team and what this team needs. They now, for the first time, not the second time, the first time have the ability to go out and find a defensive coordinator that fits what it is that they need. They've also not had these players before. Granted, these are Mike Pettin-type players, but again, the ability to look at these players, look at what they can do and what they need, and find a defensive coordinator that fits what it is that they're able to do. So it's not a good situation. And I, I, for all I know, we're keeping Mike Pettin. We'll see. Maybe this defense does continue to get better. Um, I'm still going to be skeptical. Even if they get back to, to 2018 and we end up winning a Super Bowl, you still got to look at it and say, why did it take so long? Why did they play so bad for so long? There's still going to be questions. I don't want to have to start a half a year with guys playing like garbage, and then you know they finally figured out at the second half of the year. But anyways, that was a that is a concern. But I, again, I, I tend to have confidence in the guys that we have. I think that they've proven to be able to make good decisions. I mean, look at where we could be right now had we made different decisions. Had we had hired Wolf instead of Brian Gutekunst, the other bevy of coaches that were available when we decided to go with the direction of Matt Lafleur. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break right here. We'll come back on the other side, look at some of the games as well as Packers-Bears, and we'll call it a day. Be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
That song, ladies and gentlemen, is Sledgehammer. If you're wondering why I was playing Sledgehammer, that song came out in 1986. This is actually the year that I was born. Also happens to be the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl. Sledgehammer also happens to be the one thing I would love to be hit in the face with rather than be a Chicago Bears fan. Because no matter what happens today, the Bears are still the Bears. And let's face it, this is basically the Bears Super Bowl. This is as good as it gets. I mean, granted, they get another opportunity to beat the Packers later in the season, so okay, you get two Super Bowls a year, congratulations, that's exciting. But that's crazy to me to think that people my age and younger, and maybe even a little bit older, because you're not going to remember a Super Bowl unless you're at least, what, five, six? So you had to be born probably maybe 1980 to, to actually somewhat vividly remember the Bears winning a Super Bowl? If you're not 40 years old, you probably don't remember the Bears winning a Super Bowl. So, I mean, look, you got to give them credit. They hang in there. And and one of the most admirable things about Bears fans, you got other fan bases that just disappear, right? Seahawks fans. There wasn't such a thing as a Seahawks fan until they became good, and then all of a sudden they, they popped up everywhere. Bears fans not only still exist, they expect to win the Super Bowl every year. Bears will come out and be 0-1, and then you tune into, like, Chicago sports radio, and it's just, they're furious. As if they, they the expectation, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to go on a rant. I invited a bunch of Bears fans on to listen to the show, so I don't want to be too mean if you guys are coming to visit. But I used to live in Illinois, so I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. And you've heard me say this before if you've, if you've been here for a while. I feel like people from Illinois, Chicago, have sort of this... I don't know if little man syndrome is exactly the right word, because Chicago's a big city, but man, they're mad that they don't get any of the love and respect that I think they do deserve. Everybody talks about about New York, they talk about LA, they'll even talk about three cities in, in Texas before they talk about Chicago. Nobody cares about Chicago, and that makes them mad. And what makes them really, really mad is, you know who else gets more love than Chicago? This tiny, puny, little, nothing city called Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, does that make them so mad? They hate it. They hate Wisconsin. They hate this. They, they, they don't understand how anybody can love and appreciate something that's not as big and giant and crime-ridden as Chicago. They don't understand it. But but we're bigger. We have more traffic. What do you mean you, you, you respect and like Wisconsin? What do they have, cows and cheese? That's stupid. We have like a, a civil war and traffic and and political corruption, hot dogs with pickles. I mean, come on. I will say, Chicago gets no respect for food, and that is a crime. I grew up there. I moved here. It's just the the food there is on a different level. The pizza there, amazing. New York pizza can stick it. Never had it. Don't care. Looks stupid. Looks like a normal, boring slice of pizza. The hot dogs. I don't even get it Chicago style because I don't like half the garbage that's on it, but just the, the, the... the beef hot dogs, those Portillo, oh my gosh. I love it, man. I'm never going back there. I have no interest to go to Illinois ever again because it's a garbage state. But if I could get that food to come on up this way, that'd be great. Because people up here don't know what's going on. Although the Butterburgers and the Custard, incredible. Incredible. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, as angry as Packer fans are that it's only been two Super Bowls with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and fair enough, fact of the matter is almost every year of my existence the Packers have been playoff contenders every single year with the exception of a handful 
I would say at least 50% of my life, they have been Super Bowl contenders. In other words, somebody probably picked them to win the Super Bowl about half my life. This year really isn't that different. There are people out there right now that are not insane that are saying, I'm picking the Packers to win the Super Bowl this year. Like right now, they got Packers Chiefs or Packers Steelers or something Super Bowl. And that's not that crazy. So I've said it every week and I'm going to say it again. Try your best to enjoy this. And also, something else to keep an eye on, and this is what I'm going to be telling myself over and over again, try to keep a big picture perspective. This game isn't just about this game. This game is about what direction are the Packers heading. There's there's some milestones that we want to see if we're going to be able to win a Super Bowl. Let's hope that we can see a couple of those milestones. We want to see a continually improved defense. That means, in particular, pass rush needs to be improved better improved tackling, which I think has been getting better, but still needs to continue to get better. Obviously, run defense. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things on offense and defense needs to be adaptability. If you're winning at halftime and we come out and the Bears adjusted and they start doing things that are working, we need to be able to adjust. Matt LaFleur came out with all gas, no break. It's a great thing. I love the aggression, but I, I think we're losing that. We're seeing the Packers take a lead and then take their foot completely off the gas and hope that we can coast our way to victory before the other team comes and passes us like the Colts did last week. Get up early, win fast, win violently, and keep your foot on their throat for four quarters. That's it. Um, An improved run game. It's not necessarily a necessity, but it should be a necessity for this team. We have not been able to run the ball effectively since basically week three. That's unacceptable and it's going to be a hard task to get to pull that off against the Chicago Bears if you watch the video that I posted recently from Coach Hahn it's up at Pack Daddy NFL on YouTube or the Packernet Podcast uh, Facebook page he did a breakdown of the Chicago Bears run defense and how unbelievably good it is but still you want to see it get going and if nothing else you want guys to at least do their job if we're going to fail to run the ball it should at least just be because they play better not because we beat ourselves that that nonsense has got to stop If you do your job and just get manhandled by Khalil Mack, fine, I will forgive you. But you just got to have your head in the game. And that's going to be that. That ultimately is is the the biggest thing is the discipline. And it comes down to tackling a lot of the time, but it also comes down to catching the ball, not fumbling the ball, running the right routes. I mean, you can, a three and out can happen in a flash. You know, you try to run the ball and go nowhere, it's already second and 10. You can pick up you know, five five yards on that. Now it's third and five. You cannot make a mistake right now. And we've seen this several times where it's like, okay, they're moving. It's not a big deal, right? It's third down, relatively easy conversion. Guy runs a wrong route. Rodgers throws a bad ball. Guy drops a pass. Somebody whiffs on a block and we get a sack. You cannot make mistakes. If you make a mistake, the odds of you converting a first down and then continuing to drive all the way down the field, especially when you're a team that likes to control the ball, if you're going to drive down the field, if you're going to put together an 11-play, 12-play, 13-play drive all the way down the field, you have to play mistake-free football. And the Packers have not been able to get their head out of the gutter for a long time. I don't mean dirty thoughts necessarily, just, you know, I mean, maybe. I don't know what they're thinking about. It's not about football. But anyways, that's that's about it, and, and really we're just kind of, again, I, I say this, but it's not going to be the case. I'm going to be a basket case, I'm going to be a, a raving lunatic. But at the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to see a better football team. That's it. Like, just a competent football team. The fact of the matter is, since the bye week, the Packers right now are 3-3. Three and three. They're a 500 team, and, and really they've only put together two good games. Um, they got annihilated by Tampa. They had a good game against the Houston Texans. 
They got beat by Minnesota. They put together a good game against the, the 49ers, and then they beat the Jaguars, even though that was a terrible game. And they lost to the Colts in what was a pretty terrible game. So we're really just looking for another competent football game. That's it. Just look good. Anyway, some other games of interest. Uh, noon games, we got New England against Arizona. I hate to pull for New England, but I think I am. Uh, it, it, kind of for two reasons. I don't think New England's going anywhere, and I don't want them to get a really high pick. So if New England gets to 5-6, and six, they're kind of a middling team, and then Arizona falls to 6-5, and five, that's great for us. Uh, Minnesota-Carolina, obviously hoping Carolina wins. There's, I could care less about the draft really at this point. I want Minnesota to continue to get beat down. Now, at some point it's going to turn to the draft, but I, you know, I still worry a little bit about that fire that they had winning those, those, all those games in a row. They got beat pretty handily last week, and, and it was just kind of ugly. I'd like to see one more ugly game. Tennessee Indy, uh, it would be great to see Indy destroy Tennessee for two reasons. One, you don't want to see Indy looking like a bad team because that makes us feel even worse. Also, we have Tennessee coming up, and um, I don't want to see Tennessee look really good. So if Tennessee annihilates Indy, that's terrible for for two reasons. Getting to the 3 o'clock games, we've got San Francisco and L.A. Assuming I'm assuming L.A. is going to win, but it would be great if San Francisco can win. The Rams are one of the teams we are fighting with for NFC supremacy. Pretty unlikely, but not nearly as unlikely as the Saints falling to the Denver Broncos, who now currently do not have a quarterback. So that'll be fun. Fortunately, I have not taken the Saints in my survivor pool, so I will be picking the Saints. That should be a no-brainer. Kansas City and Tampa is great just because, I mean, either way. Obviously, I'm hoping Kansas City beats Tampa. I'd love for Tampa to continue to fall. There's a lot of people coming out saying they think Tampa Bay is overrated. Um... I hope that's true. I don't know. I think they're pretty solid. Um, overrated maybe is fair. I, I don't know. It, it depends how you think they're rated. I mean, they're 7-4. and four. I mean, if they were if they were 9-2, and two, maybe you could say they were overrated. 7-4 and four is good, not great. But if Tampa Bay does end up winning, I mean, I, I do always like to see Kansas City fall. But, uh, you know, whatever. Seattle-Philly. Um, don't really expect Philadelphia to win that, but obviously anytime Seattle can lose would be great. Plus, Seattle is on the verge of, of full-on collapse mode. Now, this should be a get-right game for them going up against Philly. And by the way, we're going up against Philly, I believe. It's next week, so uh, a resurgence against Seattle would make me a little bit nervous. But, um, I mean, that, that that's a big game for Seattle as well. I mean, if, if they, it's not even about losing. If they don't look good, if they don't annihilate Philly, it's going to be kind of panic time. Um, and then we got Tuesday, which is only interesting because it's Tuesday. Baltimore-Pittsburgh isn't all that interesting other than could Pittsburgh finally fall their first? I know that Pittsburgh is another one people talk about as being overrated. I tend to agree. Not that they aren't very, very good. I just don't think they're 10-0 and good. Uh, again, I don't, I'm not overly impressed with their offense. It's not a bad offense, but it's, it's the kind of offense that you could see um, going up against a competent team that can just kind of crumble and not really have the firepower necessary. And again, their defense is very, very good. I don't know. What is their streak? of sacks that is just absolutely absurd it's been like 17 years or something stupid but i don't know it's it, it'll be interesting just because it's a good game on on a tuesday which i won't be able to watch because it's on at seven o'clock but that's about it man that's all i got a couple good games we should be able to kick back and enjoy it's gonna be a long day until the packers show up so uh try to find something to occupy your time but uh, i gotta get going you folks have yourselves a fantastic sunday i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one Bye bye